Josh Williams here with another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast. My guest today is uh, a phenomenal comedian. He's a favorite at Absolute Comedy at all of our locations. He's uh, he's you know traveled North America doing comedy. It's his thirtieth year in stand up comedy. Uh, originally from New York, now makes his home here in Edmonton, uh, Alberta, Canada. And he's with me today, my buddy Mike Danber. Thank you so much for joining me. I am here. Thanks, you are. Buddy. I am here. <laughs> I'm awake. Yeah, how's uh, you've been here for? Uh, this is now the second week doing shows. How's Ottawa treating you this time around? Good, good. It was crazy this time. There's no days off, which is usual here, but this time there's added shows. So there's three on Fridays and Saturdays. There's just no. Well, as soon as everyone knows you're coming, the the shows tend to sell out quick. It's a so it's a very. <laughs> Last night was jammed, and we didn't expect it. And it was an older folks group. Yeah, singles group. <laughs> was it? It was older singles. Yeah. Oh, my God. And they meet once a month. They don't remember each other. <laughs> By the time they see each other again, it's like a brand new thing for them. That's so funny. It's like the Golden Girls. Instead of four, there's 40 of them. Yeah. And she says, the one lady stood up and says, I guess it's you and me tonight, buddy, outside. <laughs> and I go, isn't that your husband? She says, he's half asleep, she says. <laughs> so. That's awesome. So, I mean, th- that's a big milestone. You just told me like 30 seconds before we started recording that this is your 30th year in stand-up comedy. Yeah. Uh, December. It'll be 31 in December. That's amazing. So, so I said, I'll take huge chunks of work again because I've been home. Not home, not doing comedy. I, I can't remember the last time I had a week off, but, um, you know, home with my daughter, raised the, her by myself. So it's harder to go on the road for any extended period. Absolutely. And that's a great story. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely bring us there. At one point, I wanted to start by saying, I mean, 30 years is a great milestone. Yeah. Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember? It almost sounds like, listen, you're getting up there. I don't know. Uh, do you, do you remember, you know, uh, like your first time standing, standing up? Like, oh, why man. did you start stand up comedy? It was a dare. They, really? Yeah. Yucks was having their first contest in Rochester, New York. They had a club there and one in Buffalo. And uh, the people, my dad wanted me to pick up a day job. I had just quit singing and dancing and acting, all that stuff to get married the first time <laughs> that worked well <laughs> uh and it was a dare they it, and they called up uh, to sign me up and they said they only take 50 people we already have 50 people and the lady they called uh joanne was her name says i guarantee you 100 paid tickets from us right now if you let them in the contest and and the girl at the box office goes well i guess you're number 51 <laughs> and they put me in i won third place i lost to a guy with a dildo <laughs> Um, that was his act? <laughs> he would tell a joke, and he, he had a huge dillo in his hand, and he would go, get it, and he'd slap the wall with it and go, it's a dick joke. He got second. <laughs> and first place was um <clears throat> was a guy that literally came out on stage and said, I'm going to perform a bit from Eddie Murphy's Raw, and he did five minutes of that. And won the competition. And won the competition. Yes, won the competition. Wow. Just, <laughs> wow, wow. I got third. And that was, was that all one night? No, that was uh, two nights, two nights. Wow, so they did 25 people a night. Yes. And then the, the ton of judges, was it audience votes? So, no, it was all judges. There was no audience votes. Or I would have had 100 people. The, right. The no, that's, that's fine. That's um, fine. That makes sense. My prize was Buffalo, which was 40 minutes away. But I got to open for Norm MacDonald before he was Norm MacDonald. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, because he was big with Yucks. So yeah. if Yucks was involved yep. in this, that would have been it. Yeah. And he brought me over to his manager, who was also the owner of the Rochester Club, and said, uh, I like this kid. And the guy, and I was so new. I had done it. That was my fourth performance. And the guy says, uh, how much time do you have? And I go, what? I thought I did too much. Or He goes, well, you did 10. Can you do 20? I go, yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> and he walked away. That was it. And then, you know, when probably still in these days, I don't work for them anymore, but yucks, you sign up for an amateur night. It's a long, it was like another month down the road. Right, before you could do it again. Before I could do it again. And I, I went in and the manager of the club says, could I speak to you for a minute? And he brought me in this tiny, it was the ticket office, but his office too, and just started screaming. What did you say? What did you say to Howard? What did you say to Norm? I didn't say anything. They asked me how much time. And he passed over this big chunk of paper. And he goes, you leave in nine weeks, and it was to come out west for um, yuck yucks. He goes, whatever you said, you're middling, you're opening. Okay. 
Well, that's great. And like one or the whole Western tour you got the whole that. Western tour. That's amazing. Nine weeks. That's amazing. Cause my, my follow-up question always, whenever I have my guests is I always say, you know, how did you start? What was your first set like? Yeah. And then how long before, you know, you started getting the paid stuff or whatever. So you, you were right out of the gates. Yes. You, you, you entured a comedy competition on there. You, no clue. Third place. You won, you yeah. won more work. Yep. As a prize. And then, and then just chatting with them. How you started you, getting paid right away. 10 or 20. Yep. that's awesome and then i went out for yucks went still for- not knowing what i was doing <laughs> i got off the bus in winnipeg it was march so imagine how cold with a leather jacket no gloves no hats <laughs> uh, to start the tour i took the bus for three straight days and then at the end of the tour judy sims took me in her office she goes well you've obviously you say you just started you've obviously been doing this for a while she's how much time do you have she says i go what i did 20 like what do you need they keep asking me that she goes, right, could we double that, maybe 40? She goes, I'll bring you back in six months, and you could co-headline. And that was it. That was, wow. that's it. It's like all these guys like, well, you know, I did open mics for about three years, and uh, finally just right into I it, didn't. just like that. Yeah. So when I came home, everybody from that open mic was like, oh, dude, must have sucked. Cause, because I did the tour, and Jay Wendell Walker, God bless him, uh, he, he liked me, and he goes, you want to go to North South Dakota when we're done with this? So we did two weeks right after on my way home because wow. I had to take the bus anyways, right? And we're there, and they're like, Jay says he can't do Wisconsin for us. That's the third week. You want to do Wisconsin? So I'm another state over. I, yeah, I'll do it. So when I got home, everybody's like, it must have been horrible. We haven't seen you. I've been on the road. And everybody had been doing open mics four or five years. No, you haven't. I've been on the road. Yeah. And I got to leave again in two months. They said I was going back. That was it. That was That's it. great. That's – I honestly, I've – the first no time clue what I was doing, Josh. boom. That's still great, though. I mean, it's, uh, I'm going to have to edit all of that out because every amateur listening going, oh, all I have to do is lie and say how much I have. I know. <laughs> all I, I have to do is say I have 20. And, and it wasn't out. even a lie. It was literally a dice roll. Like, I think it can. Well, uh, and that's, like, and there's not, that's not, that's not on you. Yeah. When you're that new. I had no idea what, what. Yeah. When you're that new, they're like, you just did 10. Can you do 20? And you're like, I get, I just, I didn't know I could that's do 10. I so I fuck, guess. I guess I can yeah. do 20. Yeah. So I had no idea. No clue. <laughs> How did those those shows go though with the twenty? Was there lulls? Were you were you reaching or no? You know just- when I was reaching when I came back to the states and did the North South Dakota and the Wisconsin, I was reaching because in those days was the boom in Canada. Every room was jammed. You know what I mean? It was uh, those rooms were like Calgary and uh, Vancouver and Edmonton were um, gold rooms like Ottawa here, like I absolute here. You know, were just the booming. It was packed all the time. You come back North South Dakota, and I hadn't done any of that stuff. And you're doing these one nighters, and there's three people, and they're and you got to do twenty, and you don't know how to right. fill that time. Yeah, <laughs> that's when it got rough for me. Yeah, but yeah. I mean now, I I mean I've I've done shows with you where there's five people yeah. in a room, and and you know yeah. you have quite the talent of, yes. of finding. Uh, they got a fish hook me stuff. off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it does, and and that's one of the skills. I mean, I've come up. I I. Uh, you, for anyone listening, you you do a lot of talking to the audience. You do a lot of crowd work. Yes. Which, which some people frown on, and I, I, I have a different view of it. I mean, I, I like a mix of material and crowd work, but I have more fun personally doing crowd work. Right. Uh, I know that there was a show you and I did in Toronto where it was 20 you know, 20 something people in yes. the room. Yes. I'm hosting, you're headlining, and you it, would think, oh, 20 people, there's not enough you to know, go material around material or whatever. Right. And I think that between you and I, we had only for that hour and a half show, I'd only talked to 10 people and it never got stale or nope. which it was I super thought, fun. Super yeah, fun. Yeah. I, I had fun with that. But again, there's, I, it's hard because I think, I think crowd work is very difficult. We really, you know, for the most part are coming up with everything that we're saying off the top of our heads, just based on what they're telling us, whether it's their job or their relationship yeah. or whatever they're talking about. I take grief, but doesn't everybody about their act well, in some way or another? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's one of the things. So it's like, I mean, going from that whole, like, well, I was reaching, but now, now it's almost like, oh, I don't have any time, but yep. go ahead and put me in yeah. a room of people and I will talk to them. I'll do it. We'll I'm start fine. Yeah. That was another one that I had no idea. I thought you had to do new jokes every time, every time. Mm-hmm. And so by the fourth time I'm up there after the norm thing, I got to go on tour. What do I do every night? And I had all these sheets of paper. You're doing this, this. So I, I jumped into the crowd because I'm like, I can't write that fast. Yeah. And it worked. And then the guy had said to me that night, you obviously have a talent for that. And I'm like, well, nope. I'm just <laughs> getting away with shit, actually. <laughs> and I, it, I just, you know, refined it from there. 
Well, it sounds too, even just like the idea of like one show led to the next show. And it sounds like a movie where it's just like, how, how far is he going to go with the lie before it catches up uh, to Just him, to the second marriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as I went. Now you were saying before stand-up comedy that you were acting and dancing. I know you've, t- you've told me about that before, but I don't yeah. know a whole lot about it. what, what kind of acting and performing were you doing before stand-up? I sang and danced. I, uh, I was a little local local superstar at my last show that i did barnum i was trained by barnum and bailey circus to really juggle walk the tightrope do the tablecloth under the oh whip the tablecloth off and the glasses are standing all that stuff i had a 12th grade reading level in first grade and they didn't know what to do with me so they put me in the shows and you know how they used to have a mother on the side reading the lines of the kids because they'd always forget right put me out there i'd feed it to them while we were on stage because i because you could memorize the whole script that's awesome yeah now how old were you when you started like how did they find six. you so you're six years old how did you get started with that what, with what well barnum and bailey oh barnum and bailey no that was my last show i did oh okay, okay i was sorry. in my 20s no when i started then they sent me out on auditions because they didn't have plays at the school then they sent me to girls schools that didn't have boys then they sent me to colleges that didn't have kids and then we started doing these road trips to uh, Broadway for auditions and stuff like that. Then wow. when I was 14, I sang for the Pope. I know. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Me and my buddy. It was a chorus competition. <laughs> it was a competition for chorus. And they were sending in. It's Reader's Digest. It was Reader's Digest. So we sent in a tape of our Goofy. You know what I mean? Me and him on guitar. The chorus won, and we got picked as the opening. We were the opening act. We did 10 cities, 14 days. That's amazing. I know. And with the New York accent and just... <laughs> I'm just trying to think of this this young Mike Dammer singing and dancing for the Pope. Uh, there's, there's a picture on my phone. Too bad you can't put it on your podcast. Well, I can... If you want to send it to me, what I'll do is I'll put it on the Instagram or whatever. So people people listening, go to the Instagram One Man Podcast or, or Twitter or Facebook and I'll post the uh, the picture of Mike Dammer. Is this a picture of you singing to the Pope? Or? This is no. This is my first year in comedy, so you can imagine what I looked like singing for the Pope. <laughs> okay. This was, uh, yeah. Here you go, bro. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll make sure that I send this. I'll, I'll give you guys a quick little description. Oh, wow. This is an awesome picture. Oh, my God. That's outstanding. Okay. Listen, I don't want you guys to listen to me looking at it, but I hope you're looking at it. I hope this me <laughs> glaring at it gives you guys the time while listening that you need to go on to Instagram. So one man podcast. And I'll, uh, I'll Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know they're there. Yeah. I'll, I'll post that. That's great, Mikey. That's, a, that's an awesome picture. I have, uh, and of course, the episode itself will have a picture of, of you now. Yeah. So uh, that's that's great. And so so you went from that to doing stand-up right out of the gates, doing tours all over the place. Yes. Was there any milestones that you hit at any point? Because I know that there was a character that, that you developed. Oh, yeah. That was after. The first milestone I hit was I started getting picked like crazy to open for anyone that came through that was a name. Um, the club started handing out tapes of the opening guys of who they were. And I just, like I got Jerry Springer when he was doing the Too Hot for TV and he was touring around. I remember that. And he needed an opener, and I got picked for that. I got picked for the Howie Mandel show, and he would use different guys, but he liked me, so he kept me until he was out of my range. You right. Know, to have me. I got picked for Adam Sandler. I got picked for Chris Rock. I got and this is all in Rochester? Yeah. Very I got cool. picked for Lou Graham's from Rochester, so I got picked for Foreigner. Um, wow. Yeah, right before he had left. That stuff. I got picked for Michael Bolton. I got <laughs> to open for Michael. Yeah. I could just picture you opening for Michael I was, Bolton. Uh, I was, uh, <laughs> that was one that I was... Uh, I did well, but they tapped the check on the table, like, leave now, like, get out. That was not... <laughs> you were not supposed to address him or say anything about him or anything about the 150 security guards that were numbered and were wherever, because he would wow. come down the center in a float and sing Georgia on my mind, right? So <laughs> I didn't need him for me. And they would stand in front of me with their arms crossed. So finally, I went down and sat in between them, and I said, look, you be time, you be love, I'll be tenderness. And they both broke... And they weren't supposed to. That was oh, bad. that's that was bad. So the audience quite enjoyed it, and then I came backstage, and they were tapping my check out. Joan Jett, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. That was a disaster. Really? Uh, what happened? She took my dressing room, and they all got hammered, and they 
uh, they said, hey, opener, you can go to the buffet now. And they had all poured their beers in there and their dirty plates. <laughs> there was like 40 people. It was the first night of her, whatever it was, comeback tour. And she tripped over the mic cord, came out, and stood at the edge of the stage and screamed, let's get this bullshit over with. And I'm like, this is, good. This is what I want. <laughs> I did funny. a whole bunch of those in 90-91 that, that literally every time I turned around, I was getting picked for that stuff. So that was huge for me because the stuff that I had bumbled through and learned through osmosis, I really got to sit back and watch professional entertainers in all stages, singers, whatever, actors, comedians do what they did and how they handled things. That led into me getting a lot of work with others. So then I did Bill Hicks and nice. Larry wow. Miller and those guys and Gilbert. And I got to work with those guys because I was getting better what i was doing and then i wanted to do my own thing i wanted to do i want to do my own tour and i didn't want to be yeah any local opener i didn't want to be that guy for the rest of my life where i was very comfortable but i was just showing up whenever they needed somebody at a concert i didn't want to do that yeah you don't want to be like the the house mc sort of thing or, yeah. or whatever it is just yeah do your own thing and, and move around like Which, these people are doing you know i, know. What I mean they're not yes. staying stagnant that's not. what i wanted to do yeah not I never, headliners. <laughs> yeah, there was never any faint as, as it always in every stage, I can honestly tell you that whenever I hit a peak, I would freak out. There was never any stage where I'm like, I want to be famous. It didn't, it made it to this day makes me so nervous, right? That I can't have that one on one experience with people, right? It gets to a point where just anywhere you go. I you don't want to be the point where anywhere yeah. you go, you're getting bothered. It makes me nervous. Like when I go home now, when I go to New York and Gracie, like, you know, people, you can't, I can't do a mall and that's a little town. That's, well, it's a city, but you know what I mean? I can't walk. I'm not that guy. You've known me a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'll say something. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Now, there's a few things. Is there's a lot, there's, there's three different you know, stories there, or at least, uh, questions that i want to ask but i'm not yeah. sure in terms of a timeline which came first the the uh pickle is was i should say a, a huge part of your act you haven't done that in some time but a lot of people know you uh for yeah. doing the pickle thing there's also your move to canada and of course the story of grace that, right. that i want to share with everybody so did you the did pickle you, thing came when i finally decided i'm doing my own thing okay how did that start like what was the genesis do you want to tell us about the character and how it started or the character is a kid that i grew up next door to that we, him and his brother and me were the only boys in the neighborhood and literally every other family was all girls. That's who we had to play with. It was me and Joe and Pat. Pat had Down syndrome. I didn't know the difference. And then we moved there. I was going into fourth grade and I didn't understand why he couldn't ride the bus. And anyone that explained it to me would whisper, he's retarded. Right. And I'm like, what? I was very angry. I didn't right. get it. I didn't yeah. get it. What does that mean? <laughs> well, no, he was good enough to play with us. He was good enough to hang with us all day. Why couldn't he go to school with us? What? Why are you whispering about him now? He, right. And I didn't understand it. Anyways, for the time that I stayed there, and that was until I was 18, so fourth grade until I was 18, it was me, Joe, and Pat. That's who you played with. That's who I hung out with. So I was in Edmonton one night, and a lady was undoing screws from the table and throwing them at the amateur comics. <laughs> serious i know that's <laughs> like mike holmes she ran she ran out of things <laughs> make it right yeah she threw uh she threw the lemon in her drink she did ice cubes one at a time and it was jammed in those days the club was so packed and they couldn't get they couldn't find her and i had come in i had an outside thing and i came in i go just bring me i'll take care of it i'll take care of it and she said i said something about you're acting like a retard that's all i said mm -hmm. and she goes i can't believe you use that word and she says you probably also say homeless and I go, yep, I do. She goes, well, you're an asshole. My sister's homeless. I go, how am I the asshole? She's your sister. Let her in the fucking house. <laughs> and she flipped the table, and they had to take her out. And they took her out, and she was screaming. And they took her past the line for second show, and she was screaming. And so second show, I'm doing second show. And in those days, when I was much younger, <laughs> my second show, I was nice and lit by that, you know. Right. And some guy goes, sir, can I ask you a question? And I go, yeah. He says, what was the whole retard thing last show? The lady was yelling uh, when you were dragging her out. When they were dragging her out, That's so funny. I retold the story, and just off the top of my head, I said, "What? Why don't you ask a retarded guy what he wants to be called?" And the first thing out of my mouth was "pickle." Nice, and it went from there. 
Wow. Well, that's, and it's been very, very popular. The, I mean, the act developed and things like that. And, uh, you used to have like, I mean, I remember you had merchandise and things like that. It was such like, he was, he was, I mean, a character, it wasn't Pat, it was a character, but it was just, he was a star. Yes. (laughs) There would be people that would come back that were pickle that I would pick out of the crowd and make pickle that were upset that they weren't pickle the second time they came back. Oh, really? Yeah. There were shirts, See, and that's th- three different kinds of shirts. There was we'd tape in different cities because it would always be different. And then when we go back, we'd sell that CD in that city. Really? Yeah. That's smart. Because yeah. then that's yeah, it's the one from your hometown or whatever. And it would say pickle in St. Louis or yeah, pickle well, in Detroit. And I do remember because I've worked with you many times, and I've seen where we we've done a show in a city, whether it be you know Toronto, Kingston. Uh, Montreal, whatever it is, and people will come back again the next time. Yep, you know, the, the year later, or whatever, and they go, "Ah, oh, we're still calling them pickle or whatever." It's like, and I even myself too, just you know, again that crowd work thing where you you do a show and you dick around, you call someone a, you know, just a throwaway name or whatever, and then if you happen to see that person again, they're like, "We're still calling him that." You yep. remember when? And I go, "Oh yeah, yeah," which half the time I don't. Yep, <laughs> but they're like, "Yeah, we're still calling." It's so funny how it's just just a funny little thing off the top of our head ends up being that person's identity for a long time yeah so the pickle thing stuck with a lot of people and it got big and it got big to the point where there were people yelling about it because you're picking on retarded kids no i'm not like no i'm not i'm picking on a guy that is not and saying how does that feel to be called that right and i'm just doing a show around it that's it yeah and well he's empowered he's the hero he's the one effectively teasing the other people in the crowd you know what i mean he picks on every single person in the crowd i'm his voice (laughs) the puppet i know i know (laughs) well that's been i mean uh, like i said i mean that's a great character people keep coming back year after year after year and you've recently in the last two years sort of retired the character i did because it was um now that things are so much more politically correct, it was getting more slack than it was love. And Pat, um, God bless him, he's still alive. Pat ended up getting his own billboard. Pat got his own commercial. <laughs> Pat, Pat took it way past where I took it. Like, he was a big deal. He was on the brochure for the house, the, the living, you know, the, Pat was a huge deal. <laughs> you made him a celebrity overnight. Well, I did it once, and the nurse, his nurse, came to see me to see what it was. The, all it was a big family. They lived next door to us, and I didn't ever want them thinking, you know, pe- some people are yapping at how mean that was. I mean, that's not. And so she says, "I'm going to bring Pat to a show." And they brought Pat to the show, and he sat way in the back, and I do the hands in the air and the fingers, and Pat yelled out, "I'm over here, Mike." <laughs> If he's good with it, I'm good with it. Right, absolutely. So for a while there, when merch was stupid, we were sending money to Special Olympics and stuff like that. But after a while, nobody believes you, and I'm not bringing a folder. Right. That's not what it was about, you yeah. know, to say, look what I did. And, yeah, I had people come over tables at me. Really? Yeah. That's the, yeah, I mean, I mean, not to go into it too much, but that's one of the things that still irks me. It doesn't matter what the subject. I mean, I'm, I'm 14 episodes into my podcast, just the ones, my episodes, I think 20 with the interviews. Yeah. And I've already had people come at me for, I, like, again, I'm not, so my listeners have to listen to this story over and over every time I tell someone, but, but yeah, people just coming at me when, when I'm trying to talk positively about something, like right. not, not the slightest bit of hate, not, not like, oh, hey, this was a joke, but, it's like, no, no, this is just me talking positive. Someone's like, you can't, you can't say that like that. And I'm like, fuck. Like, yeah. why does anyone even try if you're just in trouble all the time? I know. <laughs> you know? I so know. I was like, yeah, fuck it. But I, you know, that's the thing too, right? If Pat's having a good time, people having a good time, and it's like, let that one person be angry because you, you're not going to change their mind. You can't do it. Um, he sent me, how many years ago was it? I want to say two or three. He sent me a picture. He heard I was in town, and him and his brother Mike sent me a picture of Pat flipping me off. Oh, really? Pat wants to know he loves you, and here's the picture. (laughs) Yeah. It was awesome. That's awesome. I know. How Now, how long after you started your career, like when did you move to Canada? What happened that made you want to move here? Uh, There was a girl that was the head waitress forever. We all knew her. um, I'm with a comic this week that I haven't seen since 2002, and I brought her name up. Oh, my God. I didn't know that was. Everybody knew her. I never knew her outside of the club. I knew her to hang at the club. We never went to a lunch or a dinner or anything. And I would always ask her out, and she said, I would never date a comic, especially you, Dambra. <laughs> Which is, I've heard that more than once. <laughs> um, and so uh, she wrote me, it was MySpace, she wrote me and said, uh, she had cancer, she had thyroid, 
and a brain tumor, and she had like a year left. So I don't know when you come back for tour, um, but it's on my bucket list if you want to go to dinner. We can go do that date. That's nice. Okay, so we talked We talked for a long time um, before I finally said, why don't I just come there? And I was in a bad – I did a stretch of time, um, five straight years without a week off just to see how long I could go doing comedy every week. I had to be paid, and it had to be within seven days. That was Those were my own stupid rules. Okay, but that's something. It's and, good to have uh, goals. <laughs> I would always drive at night when I was done. And at the time, she had said to me, there, it's summertime and there's a lot of deer. Why don't you just drive in the morning? Why don't you leave in the morning? Because I never do. It's bad luck to me. That's just my thing. To drive at night or to leave in the morning? To leave in the morning. Right. I want to leave when I'm done. My ties are cut. I'm out. Right. So I promised her I'd wait. I left at 7 in the morning. At 7.08, the old man ran the red light, sheared my car in half. Really? Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah. So I couldn't. That was the end of the streak. I couldn't, I couldn't talk. I put teeth through my tongue. Really? Yeah. I had glass in my hands and bruised my sternum. And you said the old man, like like it was... An, a, a, he was on a, his way to uh, chemo. This was a senior citizen or yeah, your old man? No. An, an old man. An old man. Okay, sorry. I apologize. Ran a red light. He was on his way to chemo and he heard the church bells. Wow. Thought he was late. So he ran the red light, took off the front of the car. Some kid on a bicycle pulled me out. Anyways, wow. I, I was doing a one-man show in Lethbridge, Alberta. That was my first show back. And I walked into the offices in Calgary, and the guy that owned, um, well, it was Yucks, and then it went on to be whatever it was, Laugh Shop after that. Uh, he said, your name was just came up because our GM just left, just walked out. Your name came up about running the club because we know you did it in New York for a little while. And we thought maybe you'd like it here, but we know you'd never come off the road. And I said, you know what? I got this going on with her. She's got a year left. I'll sign a year contract. I'm within three hours of her, two and a half hours. We could do that. And you guys were seeing each other at that point. Yes. So the, the date went well. And so, and yeah, I did, we did that. And then she had said we had had a serious talk about let's not get too attached because I can't have a family. I can't. And her doctors had said it's a 10 million to one chance because she had radiation packets sewn in her. She can never have any more kids. That part's done. I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I, I was more worried about how long she had left. Right. breathing right and then she, her lungs collapsed and she was in an oxygen tent and they didn't know why and they checked around she was pregnant they're like no her body couldn't handle it it was just like this force flush of of and um they said we got to take the radiation packets out but we got to get rid of the baby it's been exposed to radiation for like two months and uh then they did tests on her and the cancer was gone baby was keeping her alive so her immune system had basically flushed her out, and that's when she went into shock, and she was her lungs. Just so that was the thing. It was it was basically the shock was her her body kicking the cancer. Yep. Yeah. And that was because of that was Grace's immune system. They said that. we recommend you have the baby, and I'm like I'm good. And Mel was not. She wasn't on board. Right. Because she had really, even though it saved her life, because she had done her bucket list. She was done. She was done. She had said every goodbye she needed to say, and she was at the end, and she was done. So to say to her, you're going to be fine, which because they said you have to have three clear biopsies before we get, um, you can have the okay to have the baby. So we didn't get the okay to have Grace Hill. She was five months pregnant, almost six. Right. So a little late at that point. Yeah. To... But in Canada, it's different rules. If it threatened her life, they could. Oh, really? Yeah. Was could. that, was Grace threatening her life at that no, point? No, she was saving it. Oh, okay. Well, yes, no, yeah. of course. I just thought maybe at the five-month thing, as she's if the cancer saved, came but she's back, weakened or something No, if like the that. cancer came back. No, that was the healthiest she ever was. Wow. Ever, ever was. And um, she had the baby, and then um, we, uh, I had like two weeks to marry her before I had to leave the country because my contract was up. Right. Like two, and then I would have had to leave for six months before I could come back, so. Yeah, you don't want to be away from your kid for that long. I wanted to stay. Well, we hadn't agreed. I have other kids, you know, and I did part-time dad. I did absolutely no dad. And I says, if I'm doing it this time, I'm doing it the right way. It's I, I don't need it on my shoulders anymore. Right. And so I said I would, and I have so far. I have. Well, you've done an outstanding job. Anyone who knows you knows that Grace is a huge part of your act. Says the guy that fed her poutine until she threw up. <laughs> Not my kid. <laughs> 
I love Uncle Josh, but I never want poutine again. That's what she said. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> That's what she said. This is so yummy. I know. <laughs> you're like, this, I go, did you stop her at any point? No, let her eat. Well, I didn't That's think. what she wants. <laughs> Let her eat it. <laughs> that's the that's the tradition, though. Is the first time you eat poutine, you just go, "What is this mat?" And then yeah. you learn. You throw up, and you go, "Okay." She learned. with great power comes great response. She's just so scared. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's funny. So that was uh, that was that. And then you know, I mean, things turned. You figure you have a story like that, and no matter how many jokes you attach to it, you figure everything's rainbows because. Yeah. Here comes this kid out of nowhere, and here is this situation out of nowhere, and somebody's life is saved, and there's a new life, and you're like, that's it. That's it yeah. You should be it. doing like a Billy Graham thing where you walk around just talking about how, like you say, on your sperm, My cures, sperm cancer. cures cancer. <laughs> you but figure that's, that's it, and that's good. And it didn't. It went the total. You would think, like, I've said it ever since you first told me that story. I've said over and over again that you would think hearing a story like that. Anyone who hears that story, how could you possibly be against like stem cell research and stuff exactly like right. that when you hear that? When you go, you know, the, the baby's immune system took someone who was terminally ill with radiation packets sewn into them yeah. and cured the fucking cancer. Yeah. And it's never come back. No, that's, the cancer's never come back. She She's had other issues that led to, you know, me raising Gracie on my own, but it wasn't the cancer. Right. And and that's the thing. I Like, I, I feel like you're almost like, have you ever seen Good Luck Chuck where these chicks... Bang, it's Dane Cook. These chicks, you bang Dane Cook because after you bang him, the next guy you meet, you marry. Oh, really? Well, yeah. So, but it's just he gets this reputation of being the the love guy, whatever. Right. You, know, you you screw him, and then you find true love. Right. I'm just like almost like thinking of just having this this flush of women coming to you to, <laughs> to fix them, <laughs> and then they go nutso. <laughs> I can only imagine just the line of outside. Damn, Brett, come on, give it all the people who say. I would never sleep with a comic, especially you, Deborah. I know. You've got this this office. Well, it's a he's an alternative medicine clinic. You know what it turned into? It turned into this thing of because I mean you've worked with me a number of times, and I am what's the obnoxious on stage? What's the word? I don't even know. Fear. I don't even know how to explain it. Somebody asked me the other day. I think it's the title that you were given, which is the 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 king of smartass comedy. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I have no boundaries. I never have, or I've never felt that way. But there's people like you that know me when I'm with Gracie and I'm when I'm off stage, and people flip. They're like, that's not what the what is that? <laughs> well, they almost expect it too afterwards. Like I know that. I mean, I've sat. You're very quick and sharp. Yeah. So it's not always coming out, but depending on the context of the conversation, like it's ready. Yeah, it's. There. You know what I mean? It's, I think I, I can't remember what comic was. They had a. I think it was Burr actually, Bill Burr. Where he says, you know, I'm trying to be less of a dick. You know, I'm yeah. not turning out the pilot light. <laughs> That's what he says. So for you, it's like the same thing. The pilot light's always on, and you just got to turn the knob if you want. To. I try not to do it with her because she's picking it up. Grace? Yeah, she was in the room the other day, and she was playing some game, and I just heard, oh, come on. <laughs> and that's me. Like, that. Yeah. I go, what is? And I heard her under her breath one time. Son of a bitch. Because I say it all the time. Right. I heard that one time. But she's super friendly. People love her, like love her. So when they find out I'm their, fa- I'm her father. It's weird. It's a weird oh, yeah. on stage, off stage switch. Yeah. Well, when people threaten, you know, hey Grace, you you gotta, we're gonna call your dad. It's like, do you really want to? I know. I know. <laughs> You've got that funny story about uh, about the time that. Uh, do you mind sharing that story? What about uh, the purse or whatever Gracie's uh, Gracie stuff? I think she lost something at school. Oh, she lost her her uh, barrette. Yes. When she lost her bread at school. She lost her bread at school and she asked if they could help her find it. And and during it's it's kids' grandmothers that watch. Okay, like the volunteer parents, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they told her it's not whatever it is, it's not important. She goes, It is. And she told them it has magic and it's my favorite. And like they're like, Yeah, not important. Like they just shuffled them in. And Grace stomped her foot and said, Fuck, I hate people. <laughs> then I got the phone call. I had to go in and talk. And uh they said, you don't seem so upset about what she did. And I said, not the word. She shouldn't use the word, but don't tell her stuff's not important. You're a teacher. Teacher, everybody's stuff is important. And she said, I don't know what you mean. I said, how about I dump your purse in the schoolyard? And she says, why would you do that? I go, because it's not important to me. And she goes, this conversation is over. And Gracie goes, it is as soon as we find your fucking purse. <laughs> and she got uh... So you know what? That went, I was good with that for like, that was kindergarten. <laughs> 
It's like she's dropping f bombs in kindergarten. See, you were reading at a twelfth grade, and she was swearing at a twelfth yeah. grade. And last year, she had just started second grade, and I'm doing the Edmonton Comedy Festival, and somebody came up to me and went, "There's somebody here that says they know you. They wanted to say hello." And I'm like, "Okay, what? You don't think about it, right? You never think about it." I come around the corner, and it's the assistant principal. She goes, we were just having dinner, and we saw you on here. We didn't know you did this. <laughs> and I go, oh, this is going to get ugly. <laughs> and then once they found out I did it, they all looked at me very different. And that I was the went, joke about the purse? Yeah, oh, who cares? But no, I just mean they all, you know, you're just another parent. And they find out, oh, he's on stage, and he's talking about us. Yep. Next day, they parted like the Red Sea. <laughs> well, at least they'd be a little more careful what they're saying now. I know. And then they hired me to be, they hired <laughs> me to be one of those people at the school. <laughs> Any good experiences or stories from that? I, uh, I got hired because I picked a kid up. He was choking Gracie with her scarf. And it's a one way out. You can't drive backwards. All the okay. parents are leaving. It's when they're first going in in the morning. And I can see her turning colors and she's pulling at the scarf and he thinks it's fun. He's laughing and pointing at the other kids. So he's not paying attention to her. He's just pushing her backwards. Right. I jumped the fence like I'm in a <laughs> detective movie. And I go running and he throws his hands up all cocky. She can't touch me. She's not my, you can't touch me. So I lifted him. I twisted his hoodie and I lifted him. And I go, technically, I'm not fucking touching you right now. And the principal goes, Mr. Damber, can we talk for a minute? I go, oh, Dad, I'm so dead. So this is your community service then? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I could really use somebody like you around here. Because the grandmas won't take that step towards these kids. And these, there's some kids. He'll throw you under the bus. Well, let's have Damber around. And if a kid gets hit. Well, we'll reap the benefits. And, and and they ask, different parents will ask, what does Mike do here? And he'll always say, well, he's Mike. That's how he explains. <laughs> Magic Mike with the kids. <laughs> I got a walkie-talkie in a vest. <laughs> do you really? Mm. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Now, when you were, uh, I mean, like, as I said, you've, you've been doing it for so long, and there's so much, uh, I mean, like, like you're, I've only known you as, as just the outstanding guy. Like I said, the smart-ass king of comedy. When you were coming up, because like I said, right out of the gates, just boom, paid shows, tours, whatever. Yeah. Did you have anyone at any point along the way? Like, were there any any milestones you hit? Was there any was there any setbacks? Did you have anyone take you under your wing, uh, under their wing, sort of thing? Like, well, you know, um, Danny Liberto was his name. We had known each other since first grade. He was like my neighborhood bully, and then I didn't really? see him again when I moved in fourth grade. I didn't see him. And then they said, if you want to learn, we'll send you. And they thought it was funny because he was just out of control. He he wrestled a blow-up doll on stage. He jumped off. Really? Yeah. Jump off He pianos. was a neighborhood bully, and then he ended up being a comic. And yep. he worked, wow. And he, uh, my first paid gig at home, he says, you don't come to my house. I don't come to your house. We meet in a parking lot. He was that guy. Okay. <laughs> I got in the car, and he goes, you think you're funny? And I go, well, I guess we'll see. You know. And he goes, how about this? How about this? You think you're so funny? I'll flip a coin, and if you win, you can close it out. Wow. And I'm like, okay. And he was doing it just to be, you know, tough guy. Right. And waiting for me to back down. Okay, so I won the coin flip. I'll do it. Can he do that? Like, I mean, here, I couldn't just talk to the other acts and go, oh, no, I'm going to do your job. Because there's club owners, there's book, they're, yeah. they're in charge. Could he do that? Was that something that he could actually? Uh, the only reason he didn't get in trouble is because it went well. Right. But no. He couldn't, and he did, and he goes, do it, because he wanted to see me burn in flames, and when I didn't, he said on the way home, I'll teach you what you need to know to get going on this, so he taught me to never leave without my money, how to book a gig, how to put together a promo pack in those days, because you had to send a VHS tape, and sometimes there was a fee, you know, wow, to get guys, in, how to get gigs, he taught me all that stuff, and we were the best of, best of friends. Is he still doing stand-up comedy? He does uh, not so much anymore. He books his own stuff. Okay. He's gone more to the producer side. Yeah, than, yeah. Uh, he books his own stuff and um, hosts his own gigs. But he was, that's who took me. And then, you know, I've met guys along the way. Like I I spent a weekend with Richard Belzer. I spent a weekend with Richard Jenny where all oh, weekend, there, here's yeah. what we're going to teach you or here's what we have to teach you. Jenny's hilarious. I mean, obviously not anymore. But, yeah. But told me to get a silk suit. Did he? Be ready in 10 years. In 10 years, you'll be headlining. You need a silk suit. Okay. 
Come on, man. I was making 15 bucks a set. I'm like, this guy's looped. <laughs> Get a silk suit. Yeah, me and Belzer drank Jack Daniels together. So it was it was an every week, you know, weird, weird circus adventure. Right. Constantly. Uh, so And out here, there were guys that took me, you know, I mean, Kenny and Wayne Fleming, Kenny Robinson and Wayne Fleming. They were good to me. And they were, now you were with Yucks. You were signed Yucks I was with guy? Yucks, yeah. I was a Yucks. I was a Yucks. <laughs> Tattooed to my soul, bro. I really? Like, I had it. Every, I had the board game. I had the <laughs> cassettes they released. I had a T-shirt from every club. If I couldn't get it, I literally whined to play that club. The only thing I never got was the bomber jacket. Oh, okay. okay. I had the luggage. I had the Yucks on it. Wow, I, had the I didn't know they had that much merch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had the watch, I had the sweatshirts, I had the t-shirts, but then I also had the sweatshirts. The sweatshirts just gave the regions, the west, the east. I see. That would be great. I would love to see that. Do you still have this stuff? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, maybe sometime I'll buy. I don't mean I don't know when, when you'll be. When are you home? I go home after this for a couple days. I've got Medicine Hat Alberta as their first comedy festival this year. Really? I'm going back for that. That'll be fun. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's good people. That's good. Yeah. Me, Chris Gordon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's wicked. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, if you get an opportunity to send that picture, I'll, I'll share it with everybody because I would love to just see a, a table full of Yucks gear, sweatshirts and t shirts and limited edition bomber jackets. I got, <laughs> says got us, uh, every Christmas, if you were on roster, you got a Christmas present. And the one year was watches, they were plastic, like literally dollar store watches. Like they, that was the point. They weren't supposed to last. Right. And I was so upset because I finally had this fucking, I had a watch now. Like I could wear it everywhere, not just during show. I got this. Right. You'd think that they would do the quality in the watches just to know your time. Here's your yuck. Yep. yuck. Make sure you're wearing your official yuck yeah. yucks timekeeper. No, we don't have clocks or lights. You've got the time now. And I did. My second wife took it and made it into an actual, took the face of it, made it into an actual watch. Wow. And I had that forever. Do you know how great that would be to have a watch? So, like, when it hits the 10-minute mark, you put, like, amateur. That's hilarious. Like yeah, yeah. Amateur, 45 headliner. I had it all. <laughs> I had it all. And then one time I saw Mark. I was in Toronto playing. I said, what would you say if I got Yucks tattooed on my arm? And he said something to the effect of, that's my fucking arm now. Really? That would be my fucking arm. Something to that effect. You know, he was joking. But he was much more serious about it in later years. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you've seen him? Mark Breslin, for everyone listening, is the uh, the creator, owner, emperor of Yuck Yucks. Last time I saw him, I was playing Toronto. I was playing the Toronto Club, and he came down to see me three out of the seven nights in the booth, sat with me, talked. Super. He was always, he was really, really good to me. Because all I wanted to be was a Canadian comic. That's how I learned comedy. That's where I blossomed. That's all I wanted, man. That's all I wanted. And he was always quite firm about, you're not Canadian. Like, you're not. Mm. You can work our clubs and do our stuff. You're not. My guys come first. And I always respected uh, that because that was his vision. Canadian right. comedy, let's put it out there. It, it, it was one argument. It was, it was about coming out for Melanie, you know, for my wife when she was sick working in a place where he didn't have a club and he says you can't because those people are my competition and i says you don't have a club there and his stance was i will and my stance was i will quit when you have one he goes nope because they're we're in court battles with these people now and they were and i says okay well i i don't know what to tell you she's dying yeah i need work and he didn't believe that mm. he didn't believe it and to his credit God, he didn't have to you know, he didn't have to believe it. Right. But I mean, like, yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I can't argue business, a business decision. But at the same time, someone's, there's got to be a, like, it's smart business to have a little compassion for someone who's. It, and know? none of that pushed my buttons. What pushed my buttons with him was he said, uh, why are you going to be a manager at a club? You don't have it anymore. Can't keep up with the young guys anymore. Oh, that yeah. pushed, and you know me. <laughs> yeah. All you have to do is smart at, you know, you know, I'm like, you pick your best guy. And you let me open for him for a couple weeks, and you let me know how that works out. And that's when it gets ugly, and then there's no point. And I haven't talked to him since. <laughs> I haven't talked to him or seen him since. 
Well, that's cool. I think. We're I mean, both. I love I love the old the old stories. I've heard so many stories like that. So rather than just sitting here, well, here's this person said this. There's another person talking to Mark. I, I can I, honestly tell you, up till the last time I saw him, I called him Mister Breslin. Really? Always. Wow. That was my father. That's that guy. If this is what you want to do, and that's the guy that is at the top of where you're going right now, you call him Mister. Okay. And I always <laughs> did. Always did. It's not. It's a. It's a respectful thing. Even here, Howie was always he was nice to me. Yeah. Well, was always a good guy. It was literally uh, you're crossing territory. We're telling you you can't cross, and me being me is like fuck off. <laughs> 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 I, I use the uh, the example all the time. What happens to you tell the kid not to go in the cookie jar? Yeah. That's all you need. Just, you want me not to do something? Then the last thing you should do is tell me not to do it. I, I'm horrible just, that way. I'm horrible. Yeah. Because it's almost just like, why? I mean, this is going to be a stupid example. Probably get me in shit with my girlfriend for saying just, but like, I remember, <laughs> this is the analogy that always comes in my head is, is uh, years and years and years ago. Um, before I think before I'd even started stand-up comedy, a friend of mine and I went to Montreal. We went to the strip club. Yeah. And I've never been a big fan of strip clubs. Really, honest to God, I haven't been. Um, it's like you go pay $12 for a beer and, and look at something you can't touch. Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, what's what's the point? Um, and so I remember like they, they gave $10, you know, uh, lap dances at this place. And I was right. like, okay, that's half the price of them. So my friend friend buys a couple for me. And I've always been the guy who, in a private dance, I just sit there with my hands at my sides. Like, I don't, even if, like, I can't, I don't want to touch a stranger, right? And right. Like, in Canada, you can touch or whatever. I don't know if it's different elsewhere. But I I never had any interest in that. And I remember sitting there, and I was talking in French to this girl, because it was Montreal, and I'm bilingual. So here's me showing off how big my brain is. <laughs> and uh, I remember just talking to her, and in, in the conversation in French, uh, she was saying she likes dancing here because you can't touch. And immediately I got pissed off. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm sitting here not touching because I'm a good person. I'm not like, I own you for five minutes right. or whatever. I was sitting here, I'm like, I just, that's, it's just, I don't like that. But in my head, I'm going, well, now you think I'm doing it because I'm not allowed to. Yeah. Like, it's not my free will. I don't know. This is always the analogy that comes to my head. It's like, it's like, no, I'm, I just, I'm gonna touch now I'm now. pissed off. Now yep. I'm pissed off. I'm not going to touch, but I'm like, I just don't like that my actions are like, oh, it's because of rules. I'm like, no, it's just, yeah. that's who I am. It's like the two drink minimum. The idea in the States where you have to have any club you go to, yeah. it's a two drink minimum. I've only been to one club in the States and it was uh, Gotham, which is an outstanding club. But I, my two drinks were two bottles of water. Yep. I'm like, I don't need you to tell me to drink. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I'm good. I'm Canadian. I'm going to go and I'm going to have three drinks. <laughs> automatically i don't need but as soon as it was like oh i have to well fuck you i'm gonna sit here and drink two bottles of water then yep. there's your two drinks i'm bad that way i'm bad it's just something about the the rule a rule that shouldn't be the case more people are going to drink two anyways but you start putting rules on it it's like all right here's here's how i obey your rule but even now it's been i haven't worked for them and it's been over a decade right you know there's still i i see this the symbol or the logo or whatever what's that yuck yucks yeah I still look at it fondly. I don't really. I shake my head over the situation because right. anybody that would walk up to me and say, the decision you made to have your daughter was a wrong one. That, yeah. It doesn't get my attention. It doesn't. Do well, how is it supposed me. to? What person? Like, I don't know. I, I have never told the story of why I don't work for Yuck Yucks here. I, I've had offers. Right. Um, to work for them. And I was looking forward to, to, to you know, working with them. I grew up. Uh, looking at yuck yucks and yeah. playing like that's something I'd love to be a part of to be, you know, offered to sign with them. Um, I, I, it's I don't think it's with my particular situation. Without telling the story, there was a part that I was offered something, and in my head I said, if I was on the other side of the table and I offered somebody something this bad and they accepted, that's not somebody I'd want to work with. Exactly. And I and I think that to tell somebody. <laughs> that their child was a mistake business or personal, whatever it is. That's not, that's not a smart move to play because yeah. again, if you were like, well, you're right. Like, would you want to work someone who would denounce their kids so that you can perform in a different room? Well, like, at that the time doesn't... it wasn't even, I mean, we didn't even have clearance to have grace yet. He didn't want me, you know, you need to leave there, get out of there. And I, yeah. I, couldn't I don't know do that. it. I couldn't do that, but he's never, he, he was more about the wife thing. And, and me not being able to perform anymore, which is funny because I'm better. I'm better now. 
It's like a boxer. He's fucking the dames. I I weaken the legs. (laughs) I'm better now than I ever was, you know, when he had me. And that's literally the point of you're out on your own. You better pick it up, pal. Not that I ever slouched. I always swung for the fence. It just, but just knowing that there's people going, oh, you're too old now. Really? Oh, I get that a lot now. Really? I I mean, it's without, uh, I'm not kissing your ass. I, I have not seen a bad set. And all the time, like I mean, I've seen guys have good sets and bad sets. Yes, but but if in all fairness, in terms of just you put them out there, and it's gonna it's gonna happen. I've seen guys really sweat. I've seen guys. I will not name names, but I've done lots of shows with you where you've hosted, and I've watched the headliners oh, yeah. sweat afterwards. Yeah, um, because the room was tough. It was tough, but yeah. but but again, I think that's one of the, the times, one of the reasons, sorry, I should say that I like crowd work because in times like that, um. Now the show is about this this hostile crowd. Like you stand there, and if they don't want to hear material, or they don't they don't care, or they're not invested, but if you start talking to them, now it's a conversation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And now they're they're invested in what you're saying because it's about them. You're not talking at them. You're talking to them. It was those old rough bars with only two three people where I had to have filler, and I had to learn to make them pay attention. Yeah. I did a TV show once where they interviewed the other guys about the guy that, well, the guy was out doing his set and on panel. They were interviewing the other guys and they all spliced it in. It was a cool show. They would ask about the guy on yeah, stage. Yeah, it was a cool show. And the guy, they asked about me and the one kid says, I've seen him in some of the roughest bars where by the end, everybody's sitting, listening, clapping. He goes, he's the best bar comic I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and the guy goes, is that a compliment? He goes, walk into a bar with him where you have to do a show and he calms them down. And then you tell me if it's a compliment or not. Yeah. That's well, the nicest thing anybody's ever said. Well, it's not even like, you know, oh, we're a good bar comic, but uh, the clubs, I mean, like I said, I, I, I have worked with you in clubs, you know, all over Canada. I've yeah. worked with you uh, in bar shows. Yeah. We've done uh, one nighters for corporate events. Yep. We worked at a school that was heavily populated at the university, heavily populated with people with special needs. Yes. And I remember the booker, you know, going, I, well, actually, I think it was you. We, we walked in and you're like, what the fuck? Does the booker not know what I yep. do? You know? I, and I dude. remember, but, but the whole show went great and you didn't end up doing any of the, the material no. about that. It was just, but again, it was talking to the crowd, getting people engaged and yeah. it went, it went well. If you, if you were playing with pieces on a table and just organizing, okay, who, what would be the nightmare? Put this person in this room. I, I would say that would have been, if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, what, what the fuck is it? And it went great. It didn't go okay. It went great. And that so was, just like I said, I haven't seen you struggle. No, it happens once a year. <laughs> once a year. Really? God goes, put your feet on the ground there, happy boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you recall a, a story in the last while? Where you the last like, while? Well, any story, really. Okay, I, mean, I was just like saw a guy. Ago. I just saw a guy that hasn't done comedy in almost 20 years. He came to one of my one-nighters, walked in, saw that I was going to be there. He was a yucks guy. He was a funny guy, too. He was a funny guy. He came home, and his wife had cleaned out the house, taken the kids, left oh, nothing, Christ. like nothing, and he never went back on stage again. He was never... He said, I, I was never funny after that. I was I never felt funny. Anyways, it was one That's of my- like f- the pilot light went right out on yeah, that yeah. one. That it was one of my first co-headliner tours, and we went to this town, and um, it, they had told me, and I was cocky because it was my first, let Bobby go last the first night just so you could see how it's done, how he wraps it up and does everything, announcements at the end because it's just a two-person, one-nighter. Ah, got this. And I, there was nothing, there wasn't, there was just nothing. I couldn't, no matter what I did, there was no, and finally this old man, an old ancient (laughs) stood up and he goes, you fucking suck, he says. And I go, excuse me, sir. He goes, you heard what I fucking said. And he sits down and they start applauding. So I go, you know what? There's no point. You're not listening. Like, forget it. I don't care. Here he is. And I bring Bobby to the stage. Bobby tells a street joke and they fall on the floor like it was the second coming of Christ. And for 40 (laughs) minutes, I couldn't inch out of that room fast enough. The pops were so huge. And I saw him after 20 years, and I go, do you remember Assiniboia? Do you remember? He goes, do you still carry that with you? I go, I sure do. Yes, I do. (laughs) Horrible. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah. (laughs) There are those shows where just just whatever it is, it's it's not how much you're giving it. It doesn't matter. They just not buying it. Last week. Here on the Friday, the Friday night, 
was it Friday Late Show? No, it was it early. Okay, Friday and it was early. packed. And they just decided we're all going to sit here and stare at everybody. Not one guy, everybody. All four comics. 200 people just staring. And Tommy, who I love, the master of the understatement, says, I I do not think I appreciate these people. (laughs) (laughs) That is the understatement of the year. Yeah, last Friday. And I haven't had two like that because then there's Friday Late Show, right? Right. Which I'm rough on myself about anyways. Um, I haven't had two like that forever. Right. But Friday was Late late Show wasn't, right? Late Show was, uh, it was... Um, less people, but friendlier. Okay, so it wasn't like you had the bat and then no follow-up. It hasn't yeah. been too still in a long time. It's not like that oh, streak ended last it, week. I'll kill myself. <laughs> I'll kill myself, bro. 54 years old, 30 years in. I have two in a row. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> and you know what? I've taken, we, we touched on that, and we're joking about it, but I take grief from, there's new kids that'll say, step aside, you know, it's time. Fresh faces or whatever. Really? Yes. I just, I still can't. I, I know that they say that behind people's back. A lot of people have a lot of gumption when they're not face-to-face. But you get people who will tell you to your face, step oh, aside. Yeah, really? Yes. Yes. Um, and I've said the same thing every time. If if you're seeing, if you're serious and you're seeing me go on stage and I'm just phoning it in or it's not happening and I'm getting off stage saying that was good and it's horrible. Right. right. Get me. Don't book me. Get me out. Get me out. Remove me. I don't want to be one of those guys. Right. I don't. It's sad. I mean, I've seen it. It's sad to watch. Right. You know who I'm talking about. You know yeah. the different people. And they're they're good human beings. Absolutely. The they're yes. good people, but it's just one of those like it's, like it's still business. A, yeah, so putting down an old dog. It's like, yeah. yeah. No, you gotta you have a multiple pots on the stove so that if one of the burners goes yeah, out. <laughs> you don't chase the mailman like you used to anymore. <laughs> there, Sparky. If I'm that guy, sit me down like an intervention and go, you're done. Because I don't want to work. I don't want to. That's not what this business is about. I always want to swing. So usually I'll let them mouth, and then I'll ask to be put on in front of them, which you did once to a kid here. Really? Yeah. I. I well, I don't know if it was to, to, to get him. I think I was joking, and he's like, yeah, yeah, go on before me. And I was like, really? He says, uh, no, he says, I could follow anybody in this room. And oh, said, I remember You exactly said Mike Danvers here. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I know he's here. I could follow him. And you go, Okay, Mike, you want to go up and do seven for me up front in front of him? And then afterwards, you got off stage and went, you did that on purpose. And you go, yep. Yeah, because you said, you said I know I exactly okay. who you're talking about. At first, I was like, why Why would I do that? Yeah, that that's someone who needed it. Yep. Yep. That was a Monday. So, and yep. you said, just if, if you want to take it to 10, you can. You said seven minutes. And I go, no, I'm good. And you said, you, you got this one, right? I go, I know what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. But that's, yeah, and I think that's one of those things. That's somebody who's been a hothead and a loud mouth for a long time. Yes. And and did need the, the, yeah, you can follow anyone. Why aren't you headlining this club every weekend? And all right, well, it's amateur night. So the crowd's already got the lowest expectations that you could pro- possibly ask them for. Yeah. And yeah, and you come in here in the room in front of every other comment, people you don't know, whatever, talking about how you're better than them. That's yep. a huge ego, very arrogant. And then to say you could follow anybody, Okay. All right. Here and we go. Here's your, I, I wasn't being a dick. I was giving him the opportunity to he prove was me wrong. So bad. He was so, <laughs> I remember that. But yeah, there's guys like that now that I just say, okay, all right. Right. I'll yeah. go first. I'll go first, bro. You're right. I'm just doddering old man. That's <laughs> <sighs> uh, Have they closed down any more places in Toronto that you love? No, I still miss that place though. Yeah. Mikey's got a, a you've got a you're you're a big hobbyist. You love old music. Yeah, yeah. Like uh not records, but but older tunes and things like that, right? Yep, yep. And of course, comic books. Comic books, old movies that you can't get because everybody now will say, You could download that on Right. Sort of find it because you know eighty percent of the old shows. No, you can't. You That's can't. Right. Only the super big ones, but if you're looking for sort of the indie stuff, it's just You can't find it. Yeah. Um, I collect that. I like that stuff. So wherever I go, my favorite places has something like that there. Right. There was one right by the Toronto Club. I screamed. You were with me. Oh, yeah. I was with you. Well, they had a, a restaurant that I, I frequent every yep. single time I go there. And I, I don't even know how to tell you guys visually how this was happening. <laughs> but I, I'm talking with Mikey about has his place is closed down. And I go, yeah, there's just everything's changes all the time. Things are shutting down. And I walk, I walk right up to the front door of this place. 
and I pull on the handle. <laughs> There's signs everywhere in the <laughs> windows. Signs everywhere in the windows. Like I was so oblivious. I was just right into my conversation. I remember driving by it the day before seeing a sign up and I thought maybe it was just being blocked for, for, you know, an advertisement or some construction or something somewhere else. Yeah. And it was just, I walked right up, I pulled the door and it was like, I can only imagine the look on my face. Like, what? You looked in that window. That? It felt like eternity. I'm sure it was like 12 <laughs> seconds, but you just stared like I was like, no way. It's gone. The yeah. tables are gone. The chairs. This is a place where I, I would go once every like seven, eight months. The, the waiter knew me by name, even though I would only go in one or two times that week. And then it would be eight months before he saw me. But I went there every time. And I was just like, what? It's like five years. What? What happened? Yeah. The place that I would go to, the guy would, I'd give him tickets as soon as I walked up the stairs. He'd shake my hand, hug me. And then at the end of the tour, he always had something for me. Here, take this. Yeah. Give me the box set of The Man from Uncle, the TV show from the 60s. Yeah. It's a box. It's an attache spy case. And inside is every All episode the episodes? ever. Did gone. you ever? The place is gone. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, any, anything you have coming up, anything exciting, you do have the Medicine Hat Comedy Festival that you're going to be yeah, doing. Yeah, and then I'm doing uh, Lucky, because we, we talked a long time ago. Edmonton Comedy Festival, I'm doing it for my fourth straight year. And the deal is you do it for three years and you take some time off if you okay. live there locally and come back around in a couple of years. And he said, no, uh, we have people requesting your show. We'd hey like man, back. they want to sell tickets. If you can just like your first show, hey, you can put a hundred people in, in seats. Um, yep, you're number fifty one. You're in. Yep. So Three years. Doing... Well, hey, you you're here. Welcome to number four. It's crazy <laughs> schedule. I I got that. I got Calgary coming up. I, a week in New York at the New Club Comedy at the Carlson. That's a huge one. In uh, like in New York Rochester. State? Yeah. Oh, very cool. Huge new place. Yeah, they built it. Um, like his all his favorite clubs. So he's got a giant room for the big shows. He's got a medium room when it doesn't sell out. He's got a smaller room for open mics. It's huge. Very This cool. week is uh, Big Pussy from The Sopranos he's got. Big Pussy Bomb is here. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I can't remember his name. Well, that's I how, knew it. I used to know yeah. the actor's name. And I can't. But that's he how he's comedy? I guess. He's there this weekend. Very cool. First night was Berbiglia. That's how he opened. Right. Or no, Stanhope was the soft open. Excuse me. Oh, bless Ragweed you. And then season. he had Berbiglia, and he's had all those. So when he just put out the poster of who's coming this year, there's me stuck in between. <laughs> you know, I'm in between Slayton and Tom Green. Oh, Bobby Slayton? Yeah. And I'm like, wow. oh, I'm good to be on this poster. You know, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take it. So, yeah, I got that. Uh, it's booked all the way through till March of next year. So how do you have uh, do you have a website or, or Facebook page anywhere where people can see? Yeah, there's a Facebook fan page. Mike Dambra, the Facebook fan page is uh, I list all that stuff. Nice. And do you still have uh, what was the name of your album? Just in case anyone wants to, is it on iTunes or anything like that? Oh, Love on a Par Three Golf Course. <laughs> they put me at a golf course and I didn't know it was a golf course. They moved the show so we could continue to do the show. Something happened to the other venue. Anyways, the bathrooms were outside. And um, the guy goes, do you mind if I tape you? I go, you could try this or not. And it just worked because people were getting up to walk. Where are you going? I'm going to pee on the golf course. Like, I didn't know what. <laughs> that there was bathrooms. It was outside. fish out of water and it worked. And so we, yeah. It's on, I, I think it's still on iTunes. I don't know. And it's called Love on a Par 3 Golf Course? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sitting down with me, my friend. I appreciate all the uh, the conversation Always. and the catching up. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, one last time, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook, Mike Dambra. It, just type in Mike Dambra. Mike Dambra, you'll be the one there? Yeah. Awesome. And of course, uh, if you guys are looking for the album, it's out there. Uh, love on a, a par three golf course. Uh, thanks so much for sitting down with me. We will chat again. Absolutely. This won't be the last time. All right. Thanks, buddy. See ya.